Hi, I'm Jess, a women's health enthusiast. I'm raising my family around the world. And like you, I'm a girl who's seeking solutions. And I'm Cody, a holistic health practitioner, functional nutritionist, and a period problem solver. Did you know that periods don't have to feel like a monthly curse? That's right. We want every girl to actually look forward to her time of the month. It's time we start seeing our periods as our girl superpower. Yep. We are here to change the conversations about periods. Let's talk. Hey, everyone. This is Cody and Jess. We're so excited to have you back on this episode with us. We are going to uh, today talk about, again, some frequently asked questions that have come in to us. And one of the most frequent questions, along with the ones that we addressed last week, are about period cramps and period pain. I think that we all have experienced some level of period pain. Do you think I so? I wish we yeah. hadn't, but we sure have, huh? <laughs> I know, it's true. It's it's important though for us to again understand like is it normal? Like how, what how can we tell like if the level of pain that we're feeling each month is actually normal or if it's just, you know, something that we should actually be concerned with. So, how are you Jess by the way? I'm doing well. I, I, you know, another day, another day is passing. I'm loving these podcasts because I feel like lately every single topic we're discussing is something I'm so interested about and like have personal experience with. So this is another um, topic that I'm really excited to share some, you know, personal um, issues that I face and thankfully feel much better from. So anyway, but I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. You're so welcome. I know it's always fun to get on here with you and catch up and talk about some of these things. Cause as women, yeah, I think we do all relate to all of these things because at some point or another, you know, of the span in our life, when we are having periods, we experience so many of these different types of symptoms. And I know that period cramps are something that, um, it's usually a sign for us that we're about to start our period or that we're in the middle of our period or whatever. Uh, everybody's a little bit different about when they experience it. But what I want to get into today is talking about like, are period cramps normal and are periods supposed to be painful? Um, I know that a lot of times we talk about this, about how just being a woman does not mean that you're designed to experience pain and cramps and all of the other symptoms that come along with having a period. And it does kind of worry me that how many women spend so much of their lives actually thinking that because they were born with a uterus that life will just always be painful. And so this Mm -hmm. is why I love getting on this podcast and talking about this stuff because I just want to share the good news that there are There's things that we can learn by the symptoms that we are experiencing about what is going on with our body, but there are things that we can naturally do to work with our body so that we are not suffering every single month. Well, I have to say, I did not know that periods like weren't supposed to be painful and that that wasn't just part of life. So toughen up until two years ago. So I am thrilled with the information that I've learned because I totally was one of the women that just thought, oh, well, this is just part of life, part of being a woman. So I guess I just have to push through, you know, and just dealing with the pain. I know. And you're not alone. I mean, I think we, I was raised feeling like that too. And I, you know, I just think, well, we just have a really high pain tolerance, you know, as women, we can deal with a lot 
of, um, you know, pain and discomfort. But the good news is that that's not actually the way that our body is designed to actually feel. Of course, we're going to experience some pain, but when it comes to periods, that's not necessarily just a given that every woman is supposed to suffer during that time. So let's get into why do we get period cramps? How about should we start with that? I love it. Yes. <laughs> okay. So uh, before you have your period, you know, the endometrial cells, the, the lining that form um, our uterus, you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Okay. Yes. So that lining of your uterus produces a lot of these um, these lipids that are called prostaglandins. Okay. So this is a word that we're going to learn a lot about today because I feel like this is probably the most common cause for women that are experiencing cramps at some level, like whether it's just mild cramps to extremely debilitating cramps, right? So mm-hmm. we're gonna mm-hmm. learn the word prostaglandin, okay? So prostaglandins, prostaglandin. prostaglandin, all right? Prostaglandins are a group of lipids that are made at the sites of like wherever there's tissue damage. So not just our uterus, is that's not the only place that we um, have prostaglandins or, or prostaglandins are produced, but think about what's going on during that time of the month. The uterine lining is breaking apart. And so it's like tissue damage, right? And so that's Mm -hmm. why they start being produced and um, they start being released around that, you know, where the breakage is and during your menstruation. Okay. Mm -hmm. So prostaglandins, what they do is they actually constrict blood vessels. Okay. That's their job. And Mm -hmm. so by doing so, what they're doing is they're making the uterus contract. And that is what brings about painful cramps. Mm-hmm. Okay? So women who have higher levels of like a certain type of prostaglandin, we're going to get into a couple of things. There's, there's three main types of prostaglandins. But women who have a, a level that's higher than most of this one certain type of prostaglandin, they're the ones that experience the worst kind of cramps. Okay. Okay. And so this is this is the exact reason why some women, you know, we'll break them down, but this is why some women can say, oh my gosh, during my period, I'm bedridden, my cramps are so bad, I need a heating pad, I have to be laying on my stomach, and so on, and then it goes through, and then there's women that just say, oh, like, I don't even experience cramps. So it, it kind of helps to break down the different categories mm-hmm. of where women would fit into this with their cramps, right? Yeah. It's not like just that some women are just tougher than others right. and have a higher yeah. pain tolerance. It's just yeah. a matter of what level, you know, as far as how how much of this prostaglandin are you actually releasing? Okay, so women that are feeling debilitated, you don't need to think that you're being overly dramatic. I know we get that a lot. Um, there is just there is a definite scientific reason why you are experiencing such horrible cramping. Okay, so mm-hmm. let's just simplify it because that's what I love to do because this is how I understand science best. Is I like it yes. when it's just broken down. I like it simplified. It simplified. Yes, yes. Bring okay. it to my level, please. All right, because <laughs> obviously there's. I mean, we could dive in so deep on so many of these things, but it just doesn't matter. What we just need to know is we need to understand the gist of prostaglandins. Okay, so mm-hmm. your body produces three different types of prostaglandins, okay? And to simplify, I'm just going to say there's type 1, there's type 2, and there's type 3, okay? So the type of prostaglandin that causes pain is our type 2 prostaglandin, okay? Got that, right? I'm just trying to make it. We're good. We're good. Okay. So while our body produces this one type of prostaglandin, this is important to understand the the type 2 that I'm talking about, which causes your uterine contractions and causes cramping, but your body also produces two types of prostaglandin, so type 1 and 3, 
that actually exist to counteract the, the contractions, okay? The cramping. Okay. They're actually okay. like antispasm in nature, and they're almost like natural painkillers, mm-hmm. okay? So your body has twice the capacity for providing pain relief as it does for causing you to experience pain, which I think is so wow. amazing, right? Yes. So this yes. is why I say like our body is not designed to suffer every month. That's not how it's supposed to be. So if you are experiencing really hard, heavy, painful periods, your body's telling you that there's an imbalance going mm-hmm. on, okay? and It's so- sending information. It's like giving you the little tips of this can be fixed, this can be fixed. Yeah, Right? Well, then now we know. So it's important for us to understand this so that we can then take the actions that we need to in order to prevent period cramps, right? Mm -hmm. That's what I hope people, women, as you're listening today, I just want you guys to to take notes, mental notes, or you can take notes in your, you know, on your paper or whatever. But just, I want you guys to have the solutions um, or at least the beginnings of solutions to help you guys feel your best, okay? So how do we prevent the period cramps? And so I, by understanding that we have these three different types of prostaglandins, that only one type of prostaglandin causes the pain and two are actually there to help um, be natural painkillers, right? So mm-hmm. we need to understand that this type two prostaglandin, the one that causes the pain, right. the more of this that we have, the worse your cramps will be, which I think we've okay. totally understand that. Um, when it's high, and ex- extremely high for a lot of women, it causes symptoms like vomiting, diarrhea, headaches. It's the kind where, like, I've, you know, I've experienced as a teenager, my daughter experiences, um, had experienced also through her teenage years and through her 20, early 20s, um, and several of my clients and people that write in, they tell us about these, um, these periods where they literally cannot leave their bed. You know, they're they're either in the bathroom, you know what I mean, or they're yeah. lying in bed, right? That well, is, and, and Cody, I have to say, mm-hmm. like, unfortunately, I know I'm I am a woman myself, and I have to say that, like, until I experience those pains myself, it's really hard for like someone to, I don't know, um, like relate to, or you actually don't. When someone's like, my cramps are so bad, unless you felt it yourself, mm-hmm. it can seem dramatic, but then. Like really, the the women that say they're like bedridden during their periods, I didn't experience that until after I had kids, and I mean it is a real pain. That mm-hmm. is that is true. Um, that's a true struggle, yeah. <laughs> you know, no, to deal with every single month. Unless you've experienced it, it's real. It's hard to understand. It's kind of like those mm-hmm. funny videos that you see with these men who are like thinking that women's labor pains are like no big deal that they just need to toughen up that they're being dramatic. Have you seen those videos before? They're so yes, funny. Yes. And then you can hook these men up to like these simulators. They're, I don't know that they actually do labor pain justice, but you know, and they're experiencing just the low levels of what a woman's body right. is feeling, right? right? And then they're mm-hmm. just like the sweetest, you know, like most loving husbands to their wives like I'm so sorry, I didn't know. Yeah. And it's like, <gasps> yeah, so it's like these poor are poor friends, our girlfriends that are dealing with these really horrible periods month after month. It's like, unless you've felt it, you don't really understand. So I just hope that everyone is more understanding and more sympathetic and just gets that there are women out there that are truly being warriors and just suffering every single month. We love them. We want to give them support, but I want to give them help. I want to give them some steps on things that they can do in order to feel better, right? So that they don't have to just 
toughen it out, you know, out every single month. So the key is then we need to support your body to make less of this type two prostaglandin. And then we need to promote in your body more production of the natural painkillers, the types one and and three. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, um, for example, so this is something I thought was interesting too. My daughter, I am, she has given me permission. She shared this story many times, but like she was one of these girls that, I mean, I, like I said, when I was in high school, I was a high school athlete and, um, I would play competitive tennis and I would literally like, if it was my period time, you know, I would, Mm -hmm. I would be in the fetal position in my bed, you know what I mean? Not able yeah. to move, but I was expected to have to go and compete and do all of this stuff. So I was downing like tons of pain meds. I mean, like oh. not just your Tylenol and your Advil. It was like everything I could possibly do just to be able to function. And I just remember having so many times where I would like be passing out. Like this would, it would be so much pain that I literally would pass out. Right. And it was mm-hmm. horrible. But then once I had kids for some reason, that all went away and I started just feeling totally like my period was just normal. I would have, you know, a period that lasted like four days and I hardly had any cramping or anything. So you whatever. You're the exact right? opposite. And this is I mean, we are literally yeah. the opposite. High school, it was like my period would just come and go. Mm-hmm. I was like, what are girls talking about? Blah, blah, blah. You know, not, I'm not trying to make myself sound like I was rude, but I just didn't relate. Yeah. And then after kids was when I was how you felt in high school, like, please give me all the pain meds, (laughs) save me. It's so interesting. So you can't just say that there's just one experience for every woman, you know, every woman's body has a uterus in the same parts, right? But it doesn't mean that we're all going to experience the same types of periods every single month. And it, it comes down to hormone levels and it comes down to nutrient deficiencies and things like that. So anyhow, Mm -hmm. the reason I was sharing my experience is that I all of a sudden started seeing my daughter like going through this and I just realized, oh my goodness, like I luckily had experienced it. So I could have a lot of sympathy, you know, for her. And so this is like the time that I was like, we're finding a solution. We're finding a solution for this now because she cannot feel like she's literally going to pass out and die, you know, every single month. That just isn't going to happen. So one of the things that I started discovering at that time and started doing to help treat her is that. Um, I started doing research and realizing, you know, started learning about the prostaglandin production and all of the stuff that I've just uh, explained somewhat. And, but I also started learning that um, the more, okay, the body will produce more type two prostaglandin in response to not having enough omega-3 fatty acids um, and then having too many omega-6 fatty acids instead in your body. Now we talked about this last episode when we were talking about acne right? Yes. So, yeah. So like omega fatty, uh, three acids are these healthy fats that come from things like sardines from, tri- I mean, from salmon, salmon mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm. flax seeds and sesame seeds, all of those things, right? They're really good anti-inflammatory foods and nutrients. Mm-hmm. And they're because they are high in omega threes, omega six is an important, it's important for us to also have, but we get an abundance of it. And yeah. the main culprit of getting too much omega-6 in our diet is all of the vegetable oils, especially canola oil that is in our diet. And if you look through a lot of the labels and the things that we eat, the baked goods, the just anything that if you look, it's just crazy. If you start looking at your labels, you'll start noticing that you pretty much every bite you're taking is filled 
with <laughs> these vegetable oils and mm-hmm. especially canola oil, which is, is totally, I know it's considered a plant-based oil. It is, it's fake. Our body does not know what to do with it. And they're, they're very high in omega-6. Okay. Is Which, there a trick that you have to remembering like omega threes are positive, omega six you should probably limit? Like, how does someone remember at, like six and three, six? Know. And you know what? I don't know that I have a trick for that, but it's just something that I've learned over time. So you're gonna yeah. have to think of something funny. I'm gonna I, come up with something yeah. witty, girls. I'll yeah. let you know. Or if any of our <laughs> listeners have any fun little, you know, story yeah. that you can remember in your head or a little picture in your head that can help you remember that. Um, I don't know. I don't know what that would be, but yes, omega threes, good. Omega six, good, but we get too much. Okay. Yeah. Limit. Uh, yeah. Okay. Limit that. So, all right. So what it's doing then is by taking in all of these, one of the things that we can do immediately just to give this a little, a little tip right away is to try to limit your consumption of processed food. Okay. That's where we're getting, okay. You're, you know, it's, it's good to cook with oils, but you need to limit the vegetable oils, right? So mm-hmm. use instead like olive oil, avocado oil, coconut oil. Those are so great and they easily replace any vegetable oil. So just go through your pantry right now and get rid mm-hmm. of those. And then just start being aware of the foods that you are eating that may have had those oils added to it. Just start reading those labels. It's, it's something that will benefit you in so many ways beyond just getting cramps and acne and all of that. So, all right. right. <laughs> all right. So, and then just start adding, like what I was saying before, just start adding, eating more. You can kind of crowd out the bad with adding more good things like salmon, sardines, sesame seeds, flax seeds, all of that stuff. The other thing is that's really important is you want to actually avoid, and I know this is like a... Oh gosh, it's one of those that people don't ever like to hear, but it's, you want to avoid dairy if you can. Okay. Yeah. It just has. Dairy is a tough one for Mm -hmm. people. Um, We love our dairy. Yeah. Yeah, People, I mean, I love my yogurt and hello, I love my ice cream. I know. (laughs) That's a, that's a a little bit more of a commitment for sure, but there are so many great benefits to uh, eliminating, or I should say maybe, um, what would be not eliminating? Um, being more... <laughs> like reducing. Reducing. Re- there's the word. <laughs> reducing there. <laughs> right. So, you know, if you can, if you are someone that is experiencing heavy cramps, I'm just going to say don't even just reduce, eliminate. And even if it's just for a time and see if it helps. Because just by doing so, what you're doing is you're reducing this acid that is contained in dairy that promotes overproduction of this type 2 prostaglandin. Okay, so it's a mm-hmm. huge contributing factor. So these, this canola oil and the dairy, like just removing those from your diet can make a big difference. And then also just reducing, you don't want to necessarily eliminate red meat because it's high in iron, but mm-hmm. just reduce it. So if you're eating it every single day, try to substitute the red meats for some of your white meats or, and especially, you know, your healthy fishes. Like that's going to be so helpful for you in helping to reduce this type two levels of prostaglandins. Okay. All right. So I was going to talk too about um, one of the things that is so helpful too for a lot of our users that use HerTime. So many of our users will tell us that one of the main things that they are noticing, even the first month that they're using it, is that they start seeing their cramps disappear. I would say that's everyone's like mm -hmm. first. I'm noticing a lot of um, customers first 
month, they're majorly noticing a reduction in cramping and bloating um, and migraines in that first month. I know it's it's really cool, and and so I just wanted to explain why because I think it's really fun to understand like what is it that I'm putting into our bodies, which we've talked a lot about in previous episodes about what's in her time, and it's all over our Instagram feed. But why why are these ingredients helping me so much to specifically get rid of cramps and bloating and all of those things, and why and how do they help so fast? Like that's mm-hmm. I think really surprising. I think people are shocked when it comes to that. Um, but so many people are are seeing these cramps disappear within like one or two cycles. And it's because what happens is her time has these nutrients that help boost the body's ability to produce the right kind of prostaglandins, the ones that block the, um, the production of type 2 prostaglandins. Mm-hmm. And they also provide nutrients that help to naturally reduce stress levels, okay? You're going to hear me talk so much about stress and its effect on how we feel during well, every day of the month, but especially Mm -hmm. during our periods. But yeah, so there are specific ingredients that contain nutrients that help to naturally reduce stress levels in our body, um, which is so important because increased levels of the stress hormone cortisol, they actually slow down the production of our good kind of prostaglandins, our type one and type three, right? So Mm -hmm. it's important for us, like I said, if we want to reduce cramping, then we need to reduce our type 2 prostaglandin um, production and increase our type 1 and 3 prostaglandin production. So doing the steps that I've talked about, eliminating dairy, eliminating the vegetable oils, um, adding more good healthy fats, um, fatty foods, and also just doing whatever you can to help um, reduce stress stress is going to be major. Mm -hmm. And so... We do have a whole other podcast episode about naturally reducing stress and anxiety. So I don't know if any of you need to refer to that episode yeah. um, for some helpful tips as well. Absolutely, because it's one, it's something that we all experience. We're all dealing with stress at different levels, you know, but especially right now, there's just like a huge amount of stress that everybody is, you know, the whole world is feeling at the same time. And it's, it's, we just, we need to give ourselves as much support as we possibly can. I know it's like impossible for me to ask you to like reduce stress as completely, you know, but. And then it's like when someone says reduce stress, you're like, I'm more stressed. Like how do I do this? How I reduce the stress that I have that I'm trying to reduce. So I'm. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, you do what you can, you do all the things that you can, and then you give yourself support through supplementing like her time. Right. And then you. Well, and I think something with reducing stress is just identifying triggers, like really slowing down and being like, how, why in this moment am I feeling so stressed? And like identifying one at a time, like your triggers. Cause yeah. I know that I just like, will get past that too fast. And I'm like, I'm stressed and I'm overwhelmed. And then it's like, really, I don't even give myself the time to like slow down and try to identify like what triggered me to feel so stressed. Yeah. But when I do like slow down and think things through, it's like, it's helpful for the next time that that issue or that feeling arises to like slow down. Like I, I, I'm identifying it and think like talking myself through how to cope differently. So it's like, um, slowing down enough to identify, I think can be helpful too. Absolutely. And so all of those steps are like perfect. They're almost like a prescription I would give you. Um, there's so many ideas, like Jess said, in a previous, a couple previous episodes that we've recorded, but just simplifying, you know, especially as we're just talking about cramping in general is doing all the things that you just mentioned, Jess, 
um, with our lifestyle strategies, but also just doing the simple things like increasing our omega-3 intake, decreasing our omega-6 fatty acid intake, and then incorporating as many of those stress-reducing habits that you mentioned as possible every single Mm -hmm. day. Like just make Mm -hmm. that a priority, especially if you're a woman that is experiencing really hard cramps, really nasty, horrible, uncomfortable, lame cramps, right? Every single month, right? We just, let's just do that. Now, what I've just shared, the prostaglandins, all of that, this is the most like common reason that women have cramps, but I don't want it to be like, I don't want you to think that I'm saying that it's the only reason. There are other reasons that you do need to pay attention to. And we probably need to go into a whole other episode to kind of dive into these reasons, but I just wanted to mention them just so, you know, if you're listening, I want you to have these kind of other reasons in the back of your head and see if maybe they kind of apply to you as well. But the other two Mm -hmm. main reasons is um, uterine fibroids and endometriosis. And so today I'm going to talk a little bit about the uterine fibroids because I do feel like this is something that is really, really common. Like, believe it or not, like the majority of women will develop uterine fibroids at some point in their life, which is so crazy, but it's true. And a study was published in the American Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology. Man, I didn't want to spit that out today, but there we go. So they, what this study found though, that this is the important part is that between 80 and 90% of African-American women and 70% of white women will develop fibroids by the age of 50. So this is why I'm mentioning this in this podcast because it is something that is very common and very likely that either we will experience um, getting uterine fibroids or someone we love will also be affected by this. So it's important to understand kind of what are uterine fibroids. Uterine fibroids are basically they're benign. They're benign, which is important to understand, tumors that develop they're usually develop on the wall of the uterus. Um, they're usually non-cancerous, and they are common in women of childbearing age, okay? Mm-hmm. And these fibroids, I've had them. I don't know if you've had them, but they're, they are common, but they can range. It's crazy. They can range in size from, like, tiny to super large, like the size of a pea to, like, mm-hmm. the size of a melon. My sister-in-law just got this this fibroid that was removed that was literally the size of a cantaloupe so crazy she's this tiny little thing and you're like where how So to know that you have it you have to have it removed we're gonna talk about that that is okay because i was gonna say like i'm so glad you said something okay because i'm like wait maybe this is like a really silly comment to make but like i don't know that i right i mean like you said i'm sure that i have or whatever but I'm, I'm this girl uh, over here that's like, wait, uh. No, no, no. So this is, a, it's a good thing. I mean, obviously that, if it's the size of a cantaloupe, that's been happening for a while and that can be very dangerous. So yeah, yeah, we're going to get into that for sure because I do think knowledge is power, right? So yeah. All right. So symptoms of, if you do have um, uterine fibroids, they can actually vary. You could have like no symptoms whatsoever, to having like really heavy, painful periods, right? And then, but Mm -hmm. some of the other symptoms to pay attention to are things like bleeding between periods. Um, This is how I found out that I had them because I would would run. Yeah, I'd go run. And anytime I was doing anything that was like high impact, all of a sudden I was like on my period again for a day. And I was like, what is going on, right? Uh Um, Pain during sex. Okay. Lower back pain. Like just, you may just think you have an injury, but you're like, what? I don't even know what I did, you know? And that could be something. A lot of times, and this is kind of, it's funny because it's something that is so easy to miss, but if you have like a frequent urge to, to urinate, that is Mm. also a symptom. Um, but it can also be a cause of like 
a lot of um, reproductive problems. So if you're having a hard time getting pregnant, this is something that definitely should be looked into. And it can only be diagnosed, like your your doctor, your practitioner can go in and do a, like an examination, but most likely they'll, likely they'll need to send you in to do a sonogram to actually see um, if you do, in fact, have these fibroids um, and how large they are. So to get back to your question, so like according to Western medicine, uh, Jess, it's nobody really knows why fibroids form, but what we do know is that they are definitely affected by hormones. Okay. So that is Mm -hmm. something, and not to get into it too deep in this podcast, because there's a whole other podcast about estrogen dominance, but that is the primary uh, root cause of fibroid or fibroids is Mm-hmm. estrogen dominance, too high of estrogen levels, not enough progesterone. And so that is a big one. So if you are having these symptoms and you think you may have um, fibroids, then you do need to look at the root cause. Okay. That's always my biggest thing is look for the root cause. Don't just look at the, the symptoms and think we need to address the symptoms, which are these fibroids. Find out why, what's causing right. them and then address that. Okay. So this is what happens when you go to a doctor though. Most of the time is just like what you were just saying is that all of a sudden a doctor, you know, they, they hear that you have these symptoms. They, they assume that you have fibroids and they, let's say you get a sonogram and it's been confirmed that the, you know, fibroids do exist. Their plan of action usually is first, they'll usually, um, give you a prescription for birth control because birth control can be like a way to control the growth of, you know, the fibroids themselves and Mm -hmm. they can also reduce the symptoms. But again, the problem, like I've mentioned is that it's not, it's not helping to actually fix the issue. It's just kind of a bandaid for a temporary time. Yes, exactly. And so it doesn't address the root causes and it can jeopardize actually the, the long-term uh, health of your uterus, which is something mm-hmm. obviously you do not want. You want to have a right. healthy uterus. And it comes with all kinds of, you know, like taking the pill just comes with all kinds of other symptoms and side effects and things like that. So it's not like you just fixed everything. It's like you are maybe fixing a couple of the symptoms that you're feeling because of these um, fibroids, but then you're feeling all of these other symptoms that come on just because you're taking the the birth control. So it shouldn't be our first option, but unfortunately that's kind of usually what is first recommended because that's what they, that's, and I, I seriously, I love doctors. There are so many great doctors, but so many doctors that I've gone to, that's their first, that's their first uh, approach. So I just Mm -hmm. want you to know that there are other solutions out there. So if find those doctors that are, are looking for root causes as well. Okay. The other thing is they'll usually, um, give you the option to do surgery to remove. Right. And so, and Surgery, like this with my sister-in-law, that was something that was, it was actually like the uterine fibroid had grown so large that it was actually putting so much pressure on her other organs and on her spine and all of these things. So it was something that she probably needed to do. But if this had been discovered and had been addressed earlier for her, um, Mm -hmm. when she first, like years ago, when she first started feeling um, symptoms, she could have totally like use some natural strategies to fix the fibroids themselves because I've been able to do it personally. And I know for a fact that I've helped several, um, women be able to reduce and then eliminate fibroids just by taking some natural strategies. So I definitely want to share those if we have some time today on this episode, 
um, to give you guys some like surefire natural strategies for fixing fibroids, right? Mm-hmm. So the first thing you need to do is you just need to treat fibroids and then try to alleviate the symptoms um, by making food and lifestyle choices like we've already mentioned. It's so funny. It's like the same approaches help so many help things. So many areas and so many like so much of your health can be affected by Yeah, absolutely. Nutrition. And stress and all of that and oh it's just yeah, big time. So eliminating excess estrogen as efficiently as possible. So doing the things that you can to um to reduce the intake of xenoestrogens, which I talked about in our estrogen dominance um, podcast. And um, so that would be literally just trying to eat as whole as possible, being aware of the types of products that you're putting in and on your body and um, and so much more. There's so many things that if you want to go listen to that podcast, because I give you all kinds of, of lifestyle strategies that you can do. Um, but just doing those things where you're eating those fibroid-fighting foods, um, helping your body to detoxify efficiently that, so that your body can flush all of this excess estrogen and so that it can also help your body to boost progesterone. So this is where her time comes in big time because this is something that it does. This is one of its main actions is that it helps your body to naturally, it doesn't add progesterone to your body. This is something I want to make clear too. Her time is just a natural um, nutritional therapy supplement that works with your body to naturally produce the right levels of progesterone and estrogen, and it also helps your body to detoxify. Okay, so it's hel- so helpful for women that are dealing with estrogen dominance to use her time because it does boost progesterone levels in your body, which can help slow and even stop the growth of fibroids. So that's oh, huge. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So let's just give you five, let's give you five simple steps, all right, to naturally yeah. treat fibroids. So the one that is, you guys are going to just hear these things over and over again, okay? But just get them in your head. Eat to nourish your hormonal balance, okay? That is so important. Reducing your estrogen overload by changing your diet, and then like we've talked about, your daily routine is so important and it involves things like eating and working out and like living a life that you know makes you feel happy and all of this and it works with your cycle all of the four phases of your cycle right learning how to eat to nourish hormonal balance through the entire month is going to make a big difference in whether you're feeling your best or you're not right or whether Mm -hmm. you're experiencing these types of symptoms or not the other thing, the second um, recommendation I say is to cut out the chemicals as much as possible. And that just means like going whole, <laughs> like whole nutrition, yeah. using products, like I said, that are not filled with a lot of endocrine disrupting chemicals, like your cleaning supplies and your your cosmetics and your body care products. Even like we're getting into the season of like lawn treatment chemicals, upholstered furniture, like vinyl products, like your shower curtains, like the things that you store your food in, like your plastic food containers and your food plastic wraps and stuff like that. These are all strongly linked to whether you develop uterine fibroids or not. And they lead to estrogen dominance, which obviously is the root cause of um, uterine fibroids. So just making simple little changes. You don't have to go like all, you know, crazy all at once. I mean, if you can, awesome, but that can feel stressful too, right? Yeah. So just making simple swaps, you know, as you finish a product, next product that you buy, try to make it something that's a little more pure. That's not going to um, put these excess chemicals that are endocrine disruptors into your body. One step at a time. Exactly. Exactly. But it is important. It's not just something that's like, oh, that's really trendy to say. 
it's it's going to make a big difference in how you feel. And so please, please take it seriously and try to incorporate it into your life. The other thing that people, you know, now are getting more and more is that how important our microbiome is and what a role that it plays like in our overall health. Like that's mm-hmm. microbiome is in our gut mostly is what I'm talking about. So um, it's a collection of bugs that live in there, like live in your gut. And um, they help us to be able to metabolize estrogen, right? Especially oh. this bacteria that's called um, estrobolum, okay? And estrobolum is, um, if your estrobolum is healthy, then you actually will be able to metabolize and detoxify estrogen efficiently the way that you're designed. It's amazing. The body is so cool. It like has all of these little um, systems in place to help us right. to be healthy, to right? naturally function. But when things get out of balance and there's always a root cause behind us, you know, getting out of balance, then our body can't function the way that it's designed to. So really taking care of your gut health, making sure that you're eating a lot of probiotic, you know, foods, um, prebiotic foods and things like that to help make sure that your, um, microbiome in your gut is healthy. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I also talk about this all in that estrogen dominance, um, episode, sorry to keep uh, referring to it, but I just want, if you're like wanting a deep dive, go and listen to it because I talk about how important it is to love up on our gut, but I also talk about how important it is to, um, improve and love up on our liver and help it improve, help improve our liver function. Okay. So the, I talked about how the estrogen which is that um, gut bacteria that helps um, metabolize used up estrogen. Mm -hmm. Then what it does is um, the liver then gets ready for elimination. Like if the estrobolum is healthy and it's helping us to metabolize estrogen, then what the liver does is it helps us to detoxify it, to get it out of our body, right? So, but if the liver is kind of bogged down, it's feeling sluggish, um, then it can't, it may have been, the estrogen may have been metabolized, but now your body can't rid itself of it, Right. So it's so important. That's what our liver's job is, is to help us to detoxify. So you need to do the things like I've mentioned before in order to enhance this process. And by eating healthy foods and doing the things that we can to help make sure that our our liver's not becoming bogged down or um, sluggish, right? So things like being careful with the types of foods that we're eating, you know, making sure that we're not eating a lot of high fructose um, containing foods that we're eliminating or we're really reducing the amount of caffeine that we're taking in. I don't think people realize how much that plays a part into um, slowing our liver function down. Obviously, things like medications um, and alcohol and things like that, That if we're doing those things in excess, our body, our liver especially, has an even harder job to do. It's really, really slowing its function down. So it's like going to put not working with our bodies. We're like <laughs> creating more jobs and like, yeah. Ma- yeah. So it's, it's supposed to be helping us. Yeah, yeah. It's like, instead of helping us to eliminate or detoxify our excess estrogen, what it's doing is it's dealing with that, you know, like elimination of this excess alcohol or, or whatever else that is we're putting into our body that's slowing it down. So just trying to reduce those things can make a really big um, impact on how well you feel. And it actually can happen really fast. Like I said, our body is amazing. Our liver is amazing. It's like our pool filter. Everything that comes in to our body has to be filtered and our liver is that pool filter and it's going to catch all the bugs and all the dirt and all the crap mm-hmm. and everything. But we got to clean it out as much as possible by eating things like detoxifying foods and things like that. So 
So yeah, so that is so important. Um, and I would say that those are probably, well, I would say one more because I want to give you five is make sure that you are eating hormone balancing foods. So I talked about it first, like, uh, you know, eating to nourish your hormonal balance. These are the foods that I would say. Let's just give yeah, that as our five. I want to, I, this is where I get out my pen and my paper. <laughs> so, okay, I'm going to give you guys some a couple of them. So flax seeds are really, they're important and so great. They, um, they are part of a food group called selective estrogen receptor modulators. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so what they do is they inhibit estrogen sensitivity in the uterus. And this is super beneficial when you have fibroids, right? And they're also just this really great high, you know, source of fiber, which helps us then to like move this excess estrogen out of our bowels and get it out of our body as fast mm-hmm. as possible, right? Plus, like I mentioned before, flax seeds are a great source of omega-3 fatty acids, which reduce insulin resistance and inflammation, and they help our liver to function better, right? So good. Mm-hmm. So all of those things, win-win, flax seeds are awesome. You can put them, I put like a, a teaspoon into a smoothie, or you can exactly. put it in That's your oatmeal. Smoothie or on top of yogurt. Yeah, because we're eliminating dairy if you're having bad cramps. But yes, right. you got the idea. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, they are easy. What, the point is that they're easy to implement. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so another one are beans, okay? Beans are, and I know this is a controversial one because I know there are some women that I deal with that have autoimmune diseases that really don't do well with beans. But if you prepare them in a way by soaking them, making sure that they're clean, that they've sprouted, your body can usually handle it a little bit better. But this is why they're good for people that are dealing with um, with cramps and they're dealing with maybe some fibroids and things like that is because they are, again, they're a really good source of fiber and protein, which is really good. And they help to keep our... Um, our glycemic levels low, and um, which is important for all women, right? And mm-hmm. they they reduce the kind of inflammation that can cause fibroid uh, growth. Okay, so if you can handle it, and your body, you know, is not dealing with like an autoimmune disease that makes it so that you shouldn't have beans, then please try to add them, you know, into your diet a little bit more. And, and I mean, go slowly. Like if you just all of a sudden start eating tons of beans, you will feel (laughs) uncomfortable, right? (laughs) We've probably all been there, but just a little here and little there. It can definitely be something that can help you feel so much better. Um, whole grains actually are really, really great. Although I do there are so many grains out there that are so helpful for you, but I do recommend to avoid anything with gluten. Whether you think you are gluten um, intolerant or not, you are most likely gluten sensitive. And so if you can avoid things like anything that's white and processed, you know, like that's basically what has gluten in it. So your breads, your pastas, your noodles and stuff like that. Um, you can find lots of great options that are still out there that are gluten free, that are made with whole grains so they're not super processed, um, but they can, you know, make a big difference. So try to reduce gluten, right? Mm-hmm. But you can increase because they are high in fiber and help in, you know, the same way as I mentioned, some of the other foods can do to eliminate the excess of estrogen in our body, right? Um, mostly it's just really, if you think about these foods that I'm recommending, they're super high in fiber. <laughs> That's like their probably main superpower. But um, the other two things I'd love, and these are some of my favorite fruits, and they're very, very helpful for women that have um, uterine fibroids, but even women that are experiencing cramping, is to add more pears and apples into your diet. I love pears and apples. Yeah, it's really cool. And because they are liver supporting foods, and again, they contain a lot of fiber 
and um, they have a flavonoid in them that's called fluoretin, and this impairs, like it stops tumor growth. And so that's why those are in particular very helpful for those that are experiencing uterine fibroids. So anyways, that's those are my tips. Those are things that I would say start there. If this is not something that is, you know, working for you and you're feeling like it actually may be something more, definitely go to a doctor, get tested, go get just sonogram, go do those things and see if it is fibroids. It could even be um, endometriosis, all right? And that's that's a whole other podcast, but I just want you to be aware of that. So hopefully that was helpful. So helpful. And I think at the end of the day, what Cody, like a huge goal of ours is for women just to really understand that having a period doesn't have to mean suffering. So really digging into your personal symptoms, finding the root cause like Cody refers to, and really working to heal your body so that you're not suffering every single month because that's not just what is supposed to happen or what should be your normal or what you have to accept. Could not say that better myself. Thank you, Jess. That's exactly it. So that's what our passion is. That's what we want to share with all of you. So anyways, we hope you enjoyed this episode. It's always fun to get on here with you, Jess, and to to go over these um, questions and kind of dive in a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, if you felt like this is something that rings true to you, please feel free to reach out to us and ask other questions if you have them. Um, but definitely go back and listen to a couple of our other episodes where we can give you more specific information about estrogen dominance and about um ways and lifestyle ways that you can reduce stress naturally in your life. Those two things will definitely help you if you are a woman that has been dealing with terrible cramping every single month. Thank you, Cody. I loved all the information and thank you listeners for being here. Yes, you guys have a great week and we'll be back next week. Bye. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Mixers creator of Her Time. Her Time is your monthly lifesaver, period. It's an all-natural supplement that you drink with key ingredients known to help you combat your monthly cycle symptoms at the root each and every month. Try it for yourself. You can find us at mixers.com, M-I-X-H-E-R-S.com and on social media at mix.hers. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. We are here to talk about what you want to know, so be sure to direct message us with your questions and comments on our Instagram account at mix.hers. We may even ask you to be a special guest. Thanks again. We look forward to hearing from you and continuing the conversation. Mm -hmm.